When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. Uh, we are in a week that's a little bit slow here on the Browns front, but it's never actually slow on the Browns front. So still plenty uh, to get to today. Of course, we'll be at OTAs the next two weeks after this week. Minicamp is coming up uh, in June and then. Uh, and then we got to gear up for training camp. We got to gear up for the Greenbrier, Philadelphia. Uh, the the busy season is coming. But Mary Kay, you just put up a story about the Browns and the new defenders that they've added this year. And I'm just going to read this list because I think it really just lays it all out. You have a paragraph where you list all 13 new defenders, and they are Dalvin Tomlinson, Obo Okoronkwo, Zadarius Smith, Juan Thornhill, Rodney McLeod, uh, Matthew Adams, Mike Ford, Tristan Hill, Maurice Hurst, Chris Westry, Siaki Ika, Isaiah McGuire, and Cameron Mitchell. Now, obviously, all of those guys, to varying degrees, will be a part of the defense, some on special teams, some might not make it. Uh, But still, Mary-Kate, 13 new defenders. When you hear that, when you write about that, I I guess, what's your thought? Well, first of all, I actually think most of these guys uh, are going to make the team. Maybe not all of them, uh, but most of them have a pretty good chance of making the team. Now, Chris Westry, uh, the latest guy that was added, a cornerback, he's more of a special teams guy and maybe sort of some camp depth. Uh, so, you know, he might not be high at the top of the list, but most of these guys are going to come in and either start for the Cleveland Browns this year or play some key backup roles. So I think it's pretty significant. And the point of the story was to sort of figure out how many new starters will the Browns have on defense this year. Now, when you look back to 2021, if you guys remember, there were nine new starters on defense. I mean, that is just mind-blowing when you think about it. This year, there's not going to be that many. But when you couple the new starters, which there will be at least I believe, uh, when you couple that with a completely new defensive coordinator and a new vibe, I think it's going to be a whole new defense in town in 2023. Ashley, when you hear that list, 13 new defenders, what, what do you think? I think it just kind of goes to show that the Browns had holes on their defense last year and they've worked to address them. I mean, most notably for me continues to be Uh, the defensive front, right? And it's both your interior defensive line and your edge rushers. And those are the most significant names they've added. So I think that that just really hammers home the point. Like we weren't crazy in thinking like, oh, it's not just Joe Woods' scheme that is the problem for these guys. There are other roster holes and problems with how this team is built. And I think the Browns have done a really nice job of addressing those holes. So let's go through, let's go through the list. Uh, Mary Kay, if you had to like pick the guy that is the most important acquisition here. Um, who, Which one would it be at this point? You know, that's a really, really good question, Dan, because I would have said before Zatarius Smith was acquired, 
I probably would have said at that point, Delvin Tomlinson, and he is obviously a key acquisition. I mean, my goodness, he is, it's the first time they've spent a ton of money on uh, on a defender, on a defensive tackle uh, like that. So uh, obviously he's very important, but the more I have dug into this whole Zadarius Smith thing, if he is the, the Zadarius Smith that he was in the first half of last season and in his two years in Green Bay before he had a back surgery in 2021, uh, if he's the guy that has averaged 12 sacks over his last three healthy seasons, then I think that he's got to be the biggest offseason pickup for this defense. Uh, again, it could be a little recency bias. It just happened, and I've just been really studying up on it a lot. Uh, but it just seems to me uh, that that could really, uh, you know, make Miles Garrett really pop. It could really help Oboe. Uh, I think it's probably number one on my list right now. Ashley, I would agree. There was a part of me that wanted to make us draft this this list, but I, I mean, I would agree. I th- I would have Zadarius Smith number one on, on my list. I just, you just look at what he still is and what he's capable of, and it's just, it, it's crazy that the Browns were able to add this type of player in May. And I almost feel like we haven't talked enough about it just because of the timing. We did the emergency pod on Friday. Uh, we, you know, we, we addressed it a little bit in these, these Hey Mary K pods from Monday and Tuesday, but this is, or at least has the potential to be one of the most significant additions in the entire league. If Zadarius Smith is the guy we think he is. Yeah. And we love a good fantasy draft on this podcast, but it would be a pretty boring one because I think Mary Kay laid out the case perfectly for why it is Zadarius Smith. And the other guy, I was leaving like, oh, well, if Mary Kay says Zadarius, I can, for the sake of conversation, make an argument for Dalvin Tomlinson, but she already did that as well. And I think for me, those are the top two, but Zadarius especially. Um, And I think like a lot of it has been made, like I've seen some chatter on Twitter about, oh, this is a guy who's now left two teams kind of partly disgruntled. But I mean, I do think there is something to the fact of, hey, like you basically you get him for this year. If he can produce great, you see how it works. You see how he plays alongside Miles Garrett. And I mean, absent of that one year where he had the back injury and only played in one game, he's been a double digit sack guy. He has made the Pro Bowl in each of those years and he's really showing no signs of slowing down. And again, I think this is the kind of production you need opposite of Miles Garrett. It's almost what they got with Jadavian Clowney in 2021. Obviously, he couldn't repeat that last year, but I just think it's so, so key to help open things up for him and open things up for these other younger edge rushers that they have. Mary Kay, you've you've mentioned the pressures on this pod before last season. Last season, of course, he had 78, or actually 80, uh, when when you factor in uh, postseason as well. So, uh, PFF credits him with 80 pressures. That was fifth in the league. Um, you know, the guys ahead of him are Max Crosby, Hassan Reddick, Nick Bosa, and Micah Parsons. You go back to 2019, he led the league in pressures, according to PFF's data. More than Nick Bosa, more than Daniil Hunter, more than Cam Jordan, you know, more than TJ Watt. 105 pressures that year. This is a guy that just creates a ton of pressure. And I think, you know, we'll... Obviously, this benefits Miles Garrett, but I do think the guy maybe that benefits most from this could be Oboe Okoronkwo because I feel like this puts him in a role that suits him a little bit better. He doesn't necessarily have to be like, hey, I'm just I'm the number two guy. You know, they're going to rotate guys. He's going to get plenty of opportunities, but this takes 
a fair amount of pressure off of him now, and he can continue to build on what he did last year in Houston without maybe having as much pressure as there was before they went and got Zadarius Smith. Yeah, you know, I mean, it seems to me like, uh, you know, if you had to, you know, start the season tomorrow, that you would probably start Miles and Zadarius at at your ends, unless you figure out a way to, uh, you know, switch that up a little bit and put, you know, Zadarius inside and still have Oboe on the outside or whatever. Um, But it seems like, Zadarius would probably take precedence over Oboe in terms of the starting job. But as I wrote in a in a column the other day, when I tried to lay out there, what does this mean for Miles Garrett and for Oboe? Uh, you know, those guys are going to rotate in for those end snaps. And there should be roughly about in a game where there's 65 defensive snaps, roughly you're going to see 130 end snaps divided amongst three players. Now, Miles will probably get a little bit more than the other guys, I would think. But I think that's how Jim Schwartz is going to look at it more in terms of uh, divvying up those 130 between these top three rushers. And also sometimes Dalvin Tomlinson, depending on how, you know, what kind of a a line you're looking at, what kind of a formation uh, you're going with in that particular game. So Oba will still have... Um, you know, almost a third of those snaps, and he'll still have an opportunity, like you said, uh, to really build on the year that he had last year, which, uh, you know, starting at defensive end for the first time in his career for the last eight games of the season in Houston, he ended up um, notching five sacks, a career high five sacks in his last six games. So definitely something to build on. Why didn't he do that before? He wasn't starting. He wasn't playing at defensive end. Um, so he should be able to build on that here in the role that he's going to be in. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it is a good role for him. He doesn't necessarily have to carry that number two banner all by himself. I'm totally turning this into a draft because Ashley, I'm going to ask you, you know, you mentioned uh, Smith, number one, you mentioned Tomlinson would have been your other choice. So who would you have taken? Let's say this was a draft and we had Smith and uh, Tomlinson go one, two, who would you have taken third? Oh, let's just do a draft. for. All right, let's just do it. (laughs) We should just do a draft. So I I have the third pick, right? Uh, I'm going to say that I took, I'm going to say that I took Dalvin Tomlinson number two. That's fine. That's fine. So I get the third pick. You know what? I I know we were just talking about Oboe, but I'm actually going to go with Juan Thornhill here. Like, they needed to get a new starting free safety. Like, it was obviously clear JJ3 wasn't going to be returning here. Um, and I just like the energy he brings from when we've gotten to talk to him. Of course, we'll get to spend more time with those veteran guys coming up in, in OTAs and mandatory minicamp and things like that. But it was obviously just like, a position of need for me. And I, I still like the oboe signing, but looking at, Hey, we were out of starting free safety. You needed to get somebody and it's somebody who's produced and has a championship pedigree who I think is going to be good for the locker room and who guys will listen to. And I think that's really key to kind of get another kind of leadership voice in there on top of everything he can do on the field and being a starter caliber player. Okay. So Mary Kay, there's a chance I would have taken one Thornhill number two, but so, you know, we had to kind of game the system a little bit here. I, I do think this is a really important move because, you know, with John Johnson, clearly he just never found his groove here and he never quite found a role that suited him. Never quite seemed like he was super happy 
all the time. Um, you know, look, good to us, good talker. Um, we obviously loved covering him and and was a good soldier for the most part, but just wasn't a fit. And so now you bring in Jim Schwartz and you, you've got to think Jim Schwartz had a pretty big say in who they were going to bring in to replace John Johnson III and, and enter Juan Thornhill, still young, his second contract now, exactly the type of free agent Andrew Barry loves to sign. There's a chance that this could be I don't think anything's going to be more important than Smith if he plays like he's capable, but there's a chance that this could be maybe their second most important signing on this defense. It could be. I mean, so far we all like what we see. Uh, You know, he's really taken on a very vocal leadership role already on social media. You can see uh, that he's trying to get people really fired up about the Cleveland Browns. Uh, He's welcoming every new guy that has come in after him. Uh, He's just one of those run through a wall, super positive kind of players. And I think the Browns needed that kind of energy. I really do. Uh, I think defense is an attitude in so many cases. Defense is a mentality, and the Browns needed a new one. They really did. They were a splintered and, in some ways, fractured defense last year. They were yelling at each other at times. We know that there were issues between Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett, mostly coming from the Jadavian Clowney side. Uh, you know, it just wasn't a cohesive unit. So here you have Juan Thornhill coming in. He knows what it takes. He knows what it takes to get to not just one Super Bowl or two Super Bowls, but three Super Bowls. And it takes teamwork. It takes brotherhood. It takes camaraderie. It takes chemistry. And he's all about that. So, um, and the other thing about him that I think is really, really good is that he can get his hands on some footballs and they really, really need that. They had, I think 11 interceptions or something very, very, very low last year. They were down in the twenties in terms of takeaways and interceptions and all those kinds of things. And, uh, you know, he can get his hands on some footballs. And I think He'll probably even get his hands on a few more this year because of how hard they are going to attack up front. I mean, this is just going to be a go gangbusters, uh, you know, defensive line. That's going to help the guys in the back end. Juan Thornhill is a great pickup. Yeah, Ashley, just kind of continuing with Juan. We, I mean, we kind of know that this defense is going to be attack and then the secondary is going to clean things up. And, you know, we had a chance to talk to Cameron Mitchell, who, who talked <laughs> a little bit about that during rookie minicamp, like, these secondary guys are going to have tons of opportunities and and Juan Thornhill is going to be a prime beneficiary of that. Yeah. And I even think like the quote from Cameron that stuck with me from the weekend was you ask any defensive back, if they'd rather cover for four seconds or two seconds, everyone's going to say two seconds. Right. And I think like, ideally we know how Jim Schwartz thinks about this stuff, right. That given the way passing offenses are given the way the game is called now with DPI calls, things like that. He really believes, he said this at his first press conference, that you have to get that pressure from up front. That is how you have to stop the passing offenses. And again, when it's basically what Cameron Mitchell was talking about. If you are getting to those guys sooner, you're making them panic. They're not being able to hold on to the ball as long. And I think that can lead to more takeaways. And we know that that's something the Browns have struggled with the last couple of years, especially they just weren't coming in bunches, which I think was a JJ three ism actually about them coming in bunches. And um, I, I just think that overall this system is more designed, even though like on the surface level, you talk about the changes for the front of the defense, it is potentially going to have that ripple effect to positively impact the DBs and the kind of takeaways they're able to get to. 
Well, since we're just doing this on the fly, <laughs> Ashley, it's a snake draft, so you get yeah, to pick again. Awesome. Okay, I was looking at two guys, but I actually, if Oboe's still on the board, I'll take Oboe here. I really just think they needed to try to find more help, and I think I like this acquisition now, knowing that like when they first got Oboe, I still liked it. But we talked at the, all the time, like you're you're taking a big gamble on a guy who has a pretty small sample size as a starter. And they weren't paying him like a starter either, exactly. So I'm really happy they found Zadarius Smith and went out and got somebody who can definitely be a starter. But I do really like his upside and the way he was able to get to quarterbacks, even though it was a small sample size, because we just didn't see that from Alex Wright and Isaiah Thomas last year. The, they just weren't getting the quarterbacks. Isaiah had less of an opportunity. He did get one sack, uh, but it was something Alex struggled with. So I like that they're kind of hedging their bets with that room and, and went out and got a guy who they feel has upside. Mary Kay, this is such a, I, I love to use this term just because of Paul D. Podesta. This is such a money ball type move. And it reminds me a little bit of what they did with Tack McKinley a few years ago. Obviously different because they signed him to a multi, they signed Obo to a multi-year deal, but um, a little bit of like, okay, we like what this, we like this guy's traits. He was a former first round pick. Andrew probably did a bunch of work on Tack uh, back in that, in that draft. And they said, let's bring him in on a, on a flyer and make him our third edge rusher. This is a little bigger commitment, but they're looking at a guy who had half a season of really high level production. And they're saying we can find value here. If, if he can do this for 17 games, this is a steal at the price they're paying for him. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is a very reasonable price for an edge rusher, especially if he can build on the production uh, that he had at the end of last season. Uh, they signed him to a three-year deal worth about $19 million. So at a little over $6 million a year, uh, you know, you'll take that any day for, for a good edge rusher. Now they've just got to be able to get that production out of him, which is what they hope that they can do in this Jim Schwartz defense. But, I mean, he seems really uh, confident that he's going to be able to build on that. And he's super excited about pairing with Miles Garrett and those guys playing off of each other and complimenting each other. So uh, definitely a good pickup, especially at that price. Okay, so now I guess I'm guess I'm up. I, I get to actually make a real pick here, not just a pick for the sake of discussion. Um, I'm actually going to go, and I'm working off Mary Kay's list here. I'm going to go with. I want to make sure I'm not missing anybody super obvious. I like the Rodney McLeod signing. I know we already put a safety on this list, um, but I just really like bringing in a grown up, a guy that that knows Jim Schwartz's defense really well. Uh, I, I just, you know, a guy that is still productive. He had a nice year in Indianapolis last year, a guy who's won the Super Bowl. I think having guys who have won before matters. And, you know, Mary Kay, we've talked about it, just having a grown up in that room and a, a guy who can still play. He can play some big nickel. He can play either safety spot. He doesn't have to be a starter necessarily. This, this is just, this signing just makes sense. And again, another guy you got kind of late in the process to come in and, and kind of help finish off this defense a little bit. I, I just think this was a really smart signing. Yeah, there are so many things to like about this signing. Um, you know, first of all, and I wrote a column about this, Rodney McLeod comes in for Jim Schwartz in the same way that Pepper Johnson and Carl Banks came in for Bill Belichick back in the day. Sort of your guy that can be your enforcer, set the tone, implement your scheme, and, you know, let show people the Schwartz way, basically. 
And, and that's what Rodney McLeod will be able to do for him. Spent five years playing for him in Philadelphia, won a Super Bowl with him. So it's hard to argue with that. When, when you know a guy has won a Super Bowl in a system, you are going to listen to him. So he's got great leadership ability. He's, uh, you know, he's a, a fellow former Virginia alum uh, with Juan Thornhill. So those guys have a tight connection already and uh, you know, they'll work really well together. And I think there will be synergy in, you know, in them being together there in that defensive backfield. Uh, And I think that he's just somebody that some of these younger guys are going to be able to look up to the D'Anthony Bells, the AJ Greens. Um, You know, he, he might not be super vocal. I think Juan Thornhill will be more of the vocal leader of these guys. Um, But I do think that he will be a, someone that they really look up to. And here's the other thing we've heard Jim Schwartz say this about Rodney McLeod. He's that guy that everybody looks to, to get everybody lined up, right. To get everybody in the right place, to keep everybody calm, to know what's happening when and how. So those times last year when there were blown coverages and you had guys yelling at each other, I don't think that's going to happen a lot this year. If it happens once or twice, I think he's going to help nip that in the bud. I think that's a big role that he's going to play. And I think it's an important one. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just, it's got to help, you know, on the field, like Mary Kay said, but it's, it's got to help guys like Greg Newsom and, um, you know, there just aren't vocal leaders in that room. And like, you know, maybe he's not that vocal leader, but he's, you know, pair him with Juan Thornhill and you've got two guys that have won Super Bowls. And two guys that are going to combine, I think, to really kind of lead that room. And and again, young guy in, in Greg Newsom, a young guy in Martin Emerson. Denzel Ward is not like the most outspoken guy. So I just think the more leadership you can add there, Ashley, the better. For sure. I mean, when I was kind of debating there on my last pick, I was between him or Oboe. I mean, because I do really think this is an important acquisition. I just didn't want to take two safeties in a row. And I think uh, Oboe's worth taking uh, at that number four spot, I guess technically it was, but it's basically for all the reasons Mary Kay said. I mean, I think it's so key when you have a new defensive coordinator to at least have like one or two guys that have been in the system before that the coach really knows that they trust that can kind of be the coach's voice on the field um, and the coach's voice in, you know, the player's locker room and things like that. So I definitely think they needed that third safety and they kind of went above and beyond to go out and get him and getting a guy with this much experience and this much experience in this particular defense. Okay, Mary Kay, who do you like here with your second pick? Okay, uh, my next pick is going to be Siaki Ika. Uh, You know, I really think that, you know, when you hear Jim Schwartz say that he's going to be a Ferrari now, I think that's meaningful and significant. He doesn't want to be a dump truck anymore. Jim Schwartz doesn't want him to be a dump truck anymore. Uh, So I think I really think they brought him in to try to come in and compete at that other defensive tackle spot next to Dalvin Tomlinson. And really, it's kind of wide open right now because Jordan Elliott started there all last year, uh, but he kind of wound up, you know, sort of lower down on the totem pole a little bit, especially in the pro football focus ranking. So I think there is an opportunity here. I think there's a chance for him to come in and say, I can do this. They like the way he moves at his size. That's a key. They want a guy that can really move and also rush from that interior position. So he's, he's got a chance here to really show them 
that he's ready to come in and at least be part of the rotation this year. Uh, so I like him here next. We're at number six. A lot of the other guys uh, left on our list. We're probably going to go through them, you know, fairly quickly because some are special teams guys and, the, you know, they're backups and rookies and stuff like that. But I think Siaki Ika uh, can make some noise in the rotation this year. He was the other guy I was considering here. And Ashley, as I'm thinking through this rookie class, it feels like he is probably the most like, like if I had to pick one rookie to be a starter week one, I think he would be the most likely one um, of, of the yeah. seven picks that they made. I think that's right too, off the top of my head. Um, and I've always really liked this pick. I think on draft night, I've said it was the pick that I liked the most by them over the weekend. Uh, I should say on Saturday that when the draft was over, um, because again, I just think the, that interior D line needed a makeover. And what I like about him is I think there's a lot that he hasn't unlocked. Like that's kind of the whole meaning behind you get to be a Ferrari now, not a dump truck. And Siaki talked to us more about that quote that he actually understands what it means now for one. But number two, that like in college, he did a lot of just eating up double teams, which like he's good at. But Jim Schwartz wants these guys to be able to get upfield, and it sounds like he's really excited to just go and get after quarterbacks. I like the little competition they've created in that room, and hey, maybe Jordan Elliott will beat him out there, right? But I do think like there's definitely a spot for Siaki Ika to get in the rotation, even if he doesn't win a starting job. But I think it's possible he could. And Mary Kay, there's generally been one from each class that's kind of you know, come up the learning curve quickly. Now, obviously it's different because we're talking about third, fourth, fifth round picks, but, um, you know, Greg Newsom started almost right away. Um, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa started almost right away. Like I, you know, we spent some time kind of, you know, pumping the brakes a little on those guys, but when push came to shove, they ultimately won those jobs. So, you know, Martin Emerson didn't win a starting job, but he was in the rotation early so it wouldn't be a complete shock if Siaki Ika established himself as the, as the number two guy. And he'll definitely be in the rotation, if, if nothing else. Yeah, it, it won't be a shocker. It won't be, especially, especially the way that they talk about him and the fact that Jim Schwartz, who has watched all the film, he's studied this whole entire defense, and he tells Siaki on draft day, you play the game the way it should be played. Okay, that is meaningful. If he likes what he sees and he's talking about his hustle and he's talking about his motor and he's talking about the way that, um, you know, that he does get that, you know, that pressure and that disruptiveness, that's what he's looking for. If he can do that at this pro level early on, uh, then he's going to find some reps. Jim Schwartz will find reps for him because that's the prototype of what he's looking for. And they would not have drafted him unless Jim Schwartz signed off on it, or if he, you know, if he wasn't exactly the prototype of what he was looking for. So I think he's got some chances. Okay. I'm going to pick a guy who may, this is a little bit of a hybrid pick, um, not just a defensive pick, but I'm going to take Mike Ford. Um, just, you know, a key special teamer, a guy that they, they added after they hired Bubba Ventrone. Of course, Bubba Ventrone knows him well. Um, so I, I just think Mike Ford, is an important piece. They, they clearly brought him in to be a core special teamer. And the reality is you only get to dress so many guys on game days. So he, he might need to be pressed into action at some point defensively. I'm sure he'll get a chance to compete a little bit for some playing time defensively too. Ashley, you had a chance to talk to Mike Ford um, a couple weeks ago and asked him the dog's name, all of the, all of yeah, that. But, the name of the uh, 
<laughs> yeah, you're, you know, I, I, I guess we, we did discuss that a little bit, but just what were your impressions of him when you talked to him? Yeah, I was kind of bummed because I thought he would fall to me at the next pick, Dan, but we're we're getting we're running out of people. We're about halfway through, so kind of understandable <laughs> he went here. Um I was thinking like the whole time, you know, if I took him, I think like not only is Bubba Ventrone gonna love him, but Jim Schwartz is probably gonna love him, right? Like he's got that that same kind of fire Mary Kay was talking about with Siaki Ika. I think he has that too, and he's had to have that. I mean, he's manufactured a five year career or whatever it's been from being an undrafted guy. He's done whatever it takes, literally. He's created this niche on special teams and he's filled it really well on all of the teams that he's been a part of. He's excited to try to revamp these special teams and look like I think that was an important part of this offseason too. And you can never have enough defensive backs on your roster, I don't think. And I think that's the philosophy this Browns front office has as well. So he's in a good position group to also be a really good special teamer. And yeah, he might not play the most defensive snaps of these defensive backs, but I think he's going to have a really important role on the team. And again, Mary Kay just seems like a great guy to have in that room with a player like Cam Mitchell, who brought this up during rookie minicamp. He's going to have to He's going to have to learn how to play, not learn how to play. He played special teams at Northwestern, but he's going to have to sort of embrace that side of the game too, if he wants to get on the field early. Yeah. I mean, he, he's, a, um, you know, Ford is a, a Bubba Ventrone kind of guy. I mean, I watched Bubba Ventrone when he was a special teams player here. He was that run through the wall kind of guy, help other guys get fired up kind of guy. And I think that is the culture of this special teams unit. And like you said, uh, Mike Ford will help set the tone for Cam Mitchell and for other guys, Westry, while he uh, tries to make his mark on special teams. But I think that they are in the mold of a Bubba. And I think that, um, you know, that it's just, uh, you know, it's good energy. It's really good energy. That's one thing I'm noticing from a lot of these guys is they're, you know, really upbeat and they come in with really, really good attitudes. And I think that's so vitally important. All right. So, Ashley, you're up now. Yeah, I was going back and forth, but I think I'm going to take Isaiah McGuire here. And I think maybe that's some recency bias after this past weekend and hearing him talk at rookie minicamp and kind of digging into more what he's all about. But I do really just like the fact that, you know, last year they brought in some younger edge rushers, Alex Wright in particular, who like you take a gamble on, right? Because he's coming from UAB, but you really like his traits. I think like, you know, mid-round pick, that's kind of what you hope for. And Alex, you know, had its struggles getting to the quarterback. But I think with Isaiah McGuire, he played tougher competition because he went to Missouri. So he played SEC competition for his college career. Um, And he got to quarterbacks like every draft analysis analyst talking about him um, basically talked about how he's like a bull rusher kind of player. And I wrote a story this past weekend about how part of that is his hand use. Everyone always talks about his hand use. He has violent hands. He has a variety of moves he can kind of get to as an edge rusher. So again, it's like, I don't know what his playing time is going to look like. He doesn't obviously have to be a starter right away, but I like that he has some size. He's like 6'4", I think. Um, And he can get to quarterbacks. We know that from what he did in college. So I like the competition that he brings to that room, if nothing else. And I'm, you know, I'm curious to see what he's going to look like uh, with some more development. And and Mary Kay, how can you not take a guy that was like doing cartwheels and stuff after drills at rookie minicamp? Yes. I mean, you, you got to love it. He's another one of these guys that brings an energy that brings, a, you know, just a really good positive vibe. You could even see it in his uh, in his press conference that he did with us. I mean, he stands up there and he's 
you know, smiling and talking about how life is good. And uh, I, I think that, you know, in building the culture of this defense, they, they looked really hard at that side of it. And I, I think, um, you know, he just had an exuberance about him. And, you know, I, I have noticed, you know, just how sophisticated his handwork looks to the point where I've made the statement that his handwork to me looks better than what Miles handwork looked to me right when he was coming out of college. Um, so we'll have to see how it translates over to the field. But I do think once again, there's an opportunity here. Why? Because we saw that with Alex Wright, um, it was a big leap going from UAB to the NFL. And there is an opportunity for an, an Isaiah McGuire to leapfrog him if he can demonstrate that he can be disruptive and get to the quarterback. Now, Alex Wright found a little niche for himself in terms of batting passes. He tied for third in the NFL with five, and that's remarkable. Really, really good. Um, but if Isaiah McGuire can show that he can actually get those pressures. I mean, Alex Wright only had 12 pressures last year, and he played a lot of snaps. He played a ton of snaps. So that's not a whole lot of pressures. Um, if Isaiah, with his excellent handwork, um, if he can get there and, and, you know, and really give some of those other guys a little bit of a breather and a little bit of a blow, then he can find, uh, he can find some reps for himself this year. All right. One more quick round here. Ashley, mm -hmm. you would start yeah. us off. All right. Give us one more. Yeah. Let's yeah. Give us your last pick here then, <laughs> Ashley. Yeah. For the sake my, my argument for doing another round is I was still kind of going between <laughs> two guys here, but I will leave. I'm going to say, you know, the other guy was between who I'm not taking here was Cameron Mitchell. I will leave the last rookie for somebody else. Um, I'm actually going to go with Maurice Hurst here. And I still just think this is a really interesting signing because he has not been healthy the last two years. But when he is healthy, he is a really good interior pass rusher. So in 2021, he only played in two games, I think. He had an ankle injury, a calf injury. Then he had a torn biceps in training camp last summer, so he didn't play. Um, he underwent surgery for that. But when he, in the earlier years in his career, he was a contributor for Vegas. So I think that's key. And he's another guy who, you know, I never covered him when he was at Michigan, but people that I've talked to at Michigan about him, like he's a great locker room guy an energy guy. And I think again, considering the issues on your interior defensive line, throw more bodies at it. And a guy with that kind of attitude, I think could be really beneficial even just from a locker room standpoint. Uh, I'll tell you who loves that pick is Lance Reisland. He he loves that pick. He's a he was a big fan of them bringing in uh, Maurice Hurst. I was going to take either Hurst or Tristan Hill, so I'll just take Tristan Hill here. Um, I, one of those two guys is going to end up in that defensive tackle rotation, if not starting. I mean, they're, they're in the mix, so um, they're going to push Jordan Elliott. They're going to push Perrion Winfrey. They're going to push all those guys. Um, you know, the, those guys that were here they're going to really push those guys to kind of stay in the rotation. So uh, we're going to go Maurice Hurst and Tristan Hill here on back-to-back -back picks. So Mary Kay, there's still some intriguing. I mean, I mean if, if you have thoughts on those picks, go for it. And then also you can make your last pick here. Cause there's, there's still some intriguing guys there. Yeah. I mean, th those guys, uh, once again, Hurst and Hill, they're, they're coming in for depth. They're coming in to compete. They've got a lot of bodies that they can throw at this position and it is wide open. Number two, next to Dalvinson, Dalvin Tomlinson at this point is it's open. 
And anybody can swoop in there and try to beat out Jordan. You've got Perrion Winfrey that's still kind of hanging out there if he can get his legal issues resolved. So Hurston Hill come in. They bring um, some experience, which, you know, some coaches like that. I, I have a feeling that Jim Schwartz is one of those old school guys that likes a guy that's been around the bend a time or two. Uh, so both of those two guys uh, have a little bit of history. And we'll have to see if, if one of them uh, can kind of get themselves in the rotation, at least one of them. Uh, I'm going to go at number 11. Uh, I'm going to go with the only other rookie that we haven't picked yet, Cam Mitchell, cornerback. Uh, you know, once again, he's he's coming in with it with a chance, you know, at a really premium position uh, to, you know, to get in there and, and show some of the things that he can do. And he's got a lot of good guys to learn from. He's close friends with Greg Newsome. Um, and, you know, he probably will start off on some special teams, but, uh, you know, he, he has a chance to make the team and make at least a little bit of an impact this year. How about that? An impromptu defensive additions draft. I'd recap it, but I wasn't writing it down as we were going. <laughs> so, you know, you'll have to, you were all listening, you know, the, you know, the order that we took them all in. Um, all right. So, uh, so there we go. That'll do it for this edition of the orange and brown talk podcast uh we love to do these impromptu drafts we can't help ourselves we have to draft things <laughs> it's just it's what we do best um, make sure you're draft we should draft all our drafts oh mm, best drafts like, that we've done yeah i i can recap this if you want me to oh go wrote, for it I, I wrote them down okay so number one zadarius smith number two dalvin tomlinson three juan thornhill four obo ogoronquo Five, Rodney McLeod. Six, Siaki Ika. Seven, Mike Ford. Eight, Isaiah McGuire. Nine, Maurice Hurst. Ten, Tristan Hill. Eleven, Cam Mitchell. Look at that. Look at us. We're good at this. We know what we're doing. And so tune in on July 12th for our draft of drafts that we've done on the podcast. Uh, we'll put that, we'll put that one on the list. Uh, if you're not a football insider subscriber, go to cleveland.com slash Browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page to get that. It's a newsletter. Uh, it's texting and it's access to those stories on cleveland.com slash Browns that are behind the paywall and also subscribe to our YouTube channel, search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com on YouTube. And I know you're listening to this. So you're probably already subscribed, but if you aren't for some reason, uh, subscribe to the orange and brown talk podcast on Apple podcasts or Spotify. Mary Kay and Ashley, I will talk to both of you later.